Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Women's Football Weekly with Faye Others. Hi, I'm Frank Kirby and you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Welcome to Women's Football Weekly. The Champions League draw has been made. We'll analyse Arsenal and Chelsea's chances of progressing. The Lionesses are back at Wembley for the first time since winning the Euros. You'll hear from England head coach Serena Wiegmann ahead of that huge friendly against the USA. Can we find solutions in the game? Can we harm them? Uh, can we find their weaknesses and take out their strengths? So yes, uh, we're really excited to play. The WSL's on a break, but we'll look back at this weekend's League Cup action. I was proud of the fight from the girls to come back 1-0 down against the top team and then go on and secure the win with penalties and obviously Leete just having the game of her life. Aston Villa's Rachel Daly there. Plus, we'll check on what's going on in Spain and round up all the other news in the world of women's football. This is Women's Football Weekly, National Radio's only dedicated women's football show. Women's Football Weekly with Faker Others. I'm Mary Earps. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. Well, hello and a happy Monday to all of you. I am very delighted to say I am about to be reunited with one of my absolute favourite people, the wonderful Leanne Sanderson, former England forward. 50 England caps to her name is with us for the whole show. How are you doing, Leanne? FA, great to hear from you again. As always, we speak nearly every day anyway in our WhatsApp group from the Euros, but definitely miss spending time with you in person. I know. Do you know what? Nobody knows this, but we've got this little WhatsApp group here at TalkSport that uh, we set up um, ahead of the Euros and we message each other the most random things on a daily basis, don't we? Checking in on everybody and making sure we're all all right. And then then when we do actually see each other, it's uh, big hugs all round. But how have you been? Because it's been pretty busy every time I look up up at my television screen there is Leanne Sanderson smiling down at me yeah super busy Faye but can't complain really I was uh it's funny because obviously my voice is the voice on Sky so some people said they were falling asleep the other week and they could hear me while they were falling asleep and I was like what you know when they go to a commercial break so it's kind of funny but yeah I can't complain I mean how can they fall asleep listening to you <laughs> no not like that not that I'm sending people <laughs> to sleep I'm going into an ad break they're like you're here you're everywhere, but I take it as, as a good thing. And, you know, I thought being a professional footballer was the best job in the world. But what I do now, I genuinely feel like, you know, it's definitely comparable. And I love, I absolutely love the people I work with. And, you know, working at TalkSport is absolutely brilliant. And covering a lot of the games in the WSL this season has certainly been a lot of fun already. 
Yeah, it really has. There's been so many cracking games, haven't there? And I, I feel as if we had momentum with the WSL and now we've got a bit of a pause. This is what frustrates me um, on many occasions uh, with women's football. Uh, however, it will uh, reconnect again in, in a couple of weeks and there's plenty of other women's football to chat about. And actually, uh, Alex Ibaceta, European football journalist, is going to be joining us shortly, Leanne, because um, the group stage draw for the Champions League happened earlier on and in terms of WSL interest two teams left in the competition Arsenal and Chelsea after Manchester City were knocked out in the group stage qualifying by Real Madrid uh, WSL holders Chelsea have drawn the Spanish team in their group alongside last year's semi-finalist PSG and Albanian side Velaznia. Uh, so those four teams make up group A Arsenal, though, <clears throat> will play current holders and eight-time winners Leon in Group C alongside Juventus and Zurich as well. Last year's runners-up Barcelona played Bayern Munich, Rosengard and Benfica in Group D and then two-time winners Wolfsburg with debutants Roma as well as Slavia Prague and St. Paulton in Group B. So, as we know, two teams from each group progress to the knockouts, go straight to uh, the quarter-finals. But your reaction, first and foremost, for those two tough draws for both Arsenal and Chelsea? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, the competition seems to get better and better every year. I think, obviously, in the final last year, we expected Barcelona to do a bit better than they have been. But unfortunately, in the Women's Champions League, the last three finals have been over in the first 20 minutes, you know, two, three goals and have been a bit of a shock. But I think for Arsenal, I was a bit surprised, you know, Emma Hayes touched upon it, that they had to go through, you know, that preliminary round against Ajax last mm. week to go through when, you know, that doesn't happen in the men's game. Arsenal came second, you know, nearly winning the, the WSL title. And the fact that it's going through that stage and just about scraped it in them with the meat of my goal, you know, we need teams like Arsenal in the Champions League. So I'm delighted. I mean, I'm sure, that, you know, for me, you have to be the best, you have to beat the best. But that group with Leon, you know, Juventus is going to be certainly a difficult group and Zurich in there as well. And, you know, being a former Juventus player myself, I think since John Montemero has gone in there, they've progressed each season in the Champions League. And certainly that was one of the biggest topics when I signed for Juventus was talking about the Champions League and then, you know, growing each year. I think Chelsea, this is the competition similar to the Manchester City men that's got away from Emma Hayes in recent years, you know, getting to the final, losing to Barcelona in the way they did a couple of years ago. But I certainly think, you know, if I get asked this question quite a lot, Faye, which team, you know, in England could realistically win the competition? I think if it's anybody the best equipped will be Chelsea. So, you know, they didn't get off to the best to start in the WSL against Liverpool, but then, you know, they got themselves back on track against Man City and then against West Ham. So definitely, I mean, Emma Hayes knows she can play against anyone, but I'm, I'm going to be looking forward to the Paris Saint-Germain game. And I think the Real Madrid game as well will be a definitely a good game. Caroline Weir going to Real Madrid, you know, and scoring the goal that put out Manchester City, a former club as well. So it's definitely going to be a really good Champions League, 16 teams, you know, quality teams as well. And there could be some also, you know, Benfica qualifying for the competition is a great story. So you never know what could happen in this competition, but certainly Wolfsburg, Barcelona, Leon, you know, they've run away with this in recent years and it's been brilliant to see. Yeah, there's some massive, massive teams and, and with massive teams, it makes for tough groups. Certainly in, in Group A and Group C, somebody big is going to miss out. Um, I mentioned Alex Ubersetter a second ago. How are you doing, Alex? Yeah, not too bad, you? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, Leanne was just going through just then all the runners and riders. Um, obviously, we saw Real Madrid knock out Manchester City in, in qualifying and they've now drawn Chelsea in, in their group. What, what did you make of the draw earlier on? What, what ones excite you the most? 
Well, obviously, Group A is, is quite exciting when you look at the perspective of Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid. Um, obviously, I feel a bit bad for uh, Vaznia, who's obviously debuting in, in the uh, group stage of the Champions League, who gets essentially a group of best, um, shall we call it, obviously, with Leon, Arsenal, Juventus and Zurich following closely behind in Group C for the group of best. Um, but yeah, look, Chelsea, PSG, Real Madrid, I think, are, is, is going to be a really, really good group. I think because mainly of how different each team is, it is going to be very interesting to see how Chelsea go up against PSG, Real Madrid, Real Madrid against Chelsea. Obviously, saw, we saw Real Madrid, PSG last season in the Champions League. But I think Real Madrid have improved a lot since last season. Um, I personally think they have. It hurts me to say, but as a Barcelona fan, but in general, they have a very, very, very good squad. And I think most people don't really realize what good of a squad they have. Mm. They have they have a really good mix of young, talented Spanish players with veteran players who know how to control these big matches. And not to mention that you have Caroline Weir in the midfield. Um, their midfield trio and their squad depth is really, really good. So I think they shouldn't be underestimated when going up against Chelsea and PSG. Of course, Chelsea PSG, you know, are far, far, far ahead in the development of their teams and the squads in the club ahead of Real Madrid. But I think in general, that that Group A is going to be very, very good. Yeah, it is, as is Group C. Um, But in terms of your favourites to win this year, obviously eight-time winners, Leon, current holders as well. Tough group for them with Juventus and Arsenal and no offence to Zurich, but obviously Juventus and Arsenal stand out um, in terms of previous success. But uh, who are the favourites? Do you think this is the most open competition we've had? You know, it's going to be difficult to call it. Obviously, Leon are favourites because of their history in the Champions League. And as you said, they've won it only a couple of times, um, shall we say, but the way that Leon finished last season on that high, I think is very important for them. I think the season before that, and even during the season, they kind of got set back a few times with injuries, with not really having the squad that they wanted fully. And I think the season with, you know, with bringing in players like a Sarah Davritz, for example, I think that brings, that gives them a lot of new energy and a lot of, big players are coming back from injury, which is obviously going to help them. But I think Barcelona have started the season quite well um, and they only have room to improve, you know, once players come back from injury. They're they're in a bit of an injury crisis as well. Um, But other than that, look, I think the door is wide open. I think the start of the season hasn't been as good for some clubs as for others, but it's the start of the season. So you can't really draw any conclusions from that entirely. Um, I think Wolfsburg have one of the best squads in the entirety of Europe. You know, when you have Jule Brand, Tabev Asmuth on the bench because Alex Pop, Ewa Bayor are starting, for example, you know, Svenja Hus, their, their squad is unbelievable. But now mm. they have a problem of trying to fit all these players into one team and figuring out which puzzle, you know, fits together the best. Um, I think I think it's quite open in the sense that most teams have a good enough squad and good enough potential to win it. But then can they kind of, you know, Leon are always going to be Leon and they're always going to be the ones to beat. Barcelona have been up there, you know, they've beat Leon, they've um, won the Champions League and they still have an immense squad. So now it's kind of, it's open for the rest of the teams, if that makes sense. I think Leon and Barca are, are kind of secured for, for 
the potential of getting to the final now. It's about the rest of the clubs beating them and getting to the final, which, again, the possibility is there. Yeah, definitely. I'm quite excited, Leanne, about the Lionesses doing battle in terms of Bayern Munich against Barcelona. Georgia Stanway, of course, went to Bayern and uh, Kira Walsh and Lucy Bronze went to Barca in the summer, which could be interesting. Yeah, definitely. I think Group D is almost gone un- unnoticed based upon, you know, Group A and Group C being so strong. But I think, obviously, those matchups in there, Barcelona have Lucy Bronze and Kira Walsh in addition to the top players they already have as well. And I think, you know, I was a bit surprised that Georgia Stanway went to Bayern Munich because I think she could have probably had her choice of any club she would have wanted to go to. And I'm not saying that Bayern Munich are not a top team, but they're not guaranteed to necessarily win things. I think historically in the men's game, they're very good. I think in the women's champions league, they've underperformed and underachieved in recent years. So definitely great additions. And obviously I said, sometimes there's a story in this competition, Benfica, Rosengard could be that. But I do think, you know, for me, Leon, now Hegerberg is back. She's back firing in the Champions League in the final last year. You know, she's absolutely brilliant. Didn't have a great Euros, but I don't think Norway did anyway. So, you know, in regards to that, I think for me, Leon always that team to be. And it just seems like they're that step ahead. Maybe the fact that, you know, when you get in these big games, you need big game players to step up. And they have so much quality within their squad, but so do Barcelona. So we'll have to wait and see. But I'm already saying, you know, I think Leon are going to be the ones to beat. I think everybody can see that. But Emma Hayes, you know, she's going to want to win this competition definitely because they've won, you know, the WSL three years in a row now. That's a given nine times out of 10, even though it goes down to the final game of the season, Chelsea always seem to find a way. So I think that, you know, the Champions League is the one that Emma Hayes desperately wants. She won it with us in 2007 as our assistant coach when it was on a smaller scale at Boreham Wood in front of three and a half thousand people. <laughs> so, you know, now the women's game's progressed and it's and it's long, may it continue, and it's here to stay. So I think Chelsea are going to be definitely coming this year. Back that, with the that's quite key, actually, isn't it? Because obviously Manchester City out already. How important is it for the WSL as a league and for, and, and for English football for Chelsea and Arsenal to do better than they did last season and have done, obviously, apart from the Arsenal win historically? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously teams like Arsenal and Chelsea, we know they're always going to be in and around it. But when it comes to playing in finals, we saw, you know, Barcelona, Chelsea a couple of years ago, the game was over within 20 minutes and Chelsea just looked like they couldn't get near Barcelona. So the league in England is definitely progressing. We've seen that opening day of the season, you know, Liverpool get promoted and beat Chelsea, Aston Villa beat Manchester City. So things can happen. But I do think it is important that, you know, our WSL clubs make maybe of a better a better go of it because the fact that a team like Manchester City are not even in the competition and then last year went out during the preliminary rounds, it just isn't good enough for a team like Manchester City with a budget they've had over the years. I know there's been a lot of talk about the players they've lost, but, you know, that's been happening for the last couple of years. Abby Dolkamp was there, Samantha Mewis is there, Rose Lavelle. So for me, you know, these players, they've had a product for the last five to six years and losing those types of players is going to be difficult. But a team like Manchester City have to be in this competition. It feels like that third spot got wasted. That's how I feel. They they literally came right at the end and stole it off Manchester United. And then it feels like they wasted the opportunity. Uh, but, I mean, we could do a whole pod on, on Manchester City and, and what's going on there this season, couldn't we? Um, Alex, while we've got you, what, what is the latest on Spain? Um, because, uh, as I understand it, 15 players asked not to be selected for the national team because of their concerns over Jorge Vilda. You know, we know what was said about Jorge Vilda over the Euros. They've all been left out of his latest squad, as you would expect. What, what's, what exactly is going on? Where's this stemmed from for, for any of our listeners who aren't over this story? Oh, 
Do I start all the way from the beginning? (laughs) Well, try and condense it because, you know, we are here till eight o'clock tonight live on TalkSport 2, but we might not be able to concentrate purely on Spain for that amount of time. (laughs) That's fair enough. Let's see what I can do. Um, Yes, so Jorge Villa has been the Spain manager since 2015, quick math, seven years. And since then, Spain have not progressed past the quarterfinals of any major tournament. Um, so make of that conclusion, as you will, seven years ahead in charge and haven't really progressed <laughs> past the first stage of the knockout rounds. Um, so that's kind of, that's where the problem stems. Um, and as you know, you know, Spain have some of the best players, the best player in the world, Alexis Botellas, uh, you know, countless other names that you can consider some of the best in the world as well. Um, and the problem is that, Players are getting frustrated without seeing the potential. I mean, you just look at the Euro, the Euro of the summer. Jorge Villa, you know, without Alexis Poteas, Grant, it's, you know, your, your star player. But he was unable to do anything, and he started with a different starting 11, more importantly, a different starting midfield in every single match, and it just doesn't make sense. Um, and, of course, the Federation is not really on the women's football side, just to put it very nicely. Mm. Um, so Jorge Villa is not only the manager of Spain, he is also the technical director of women's football at the Federation. So he is his own boss, essentially. Um, that and never bodes well. No, exactly. You know, things already started bad there. Um, and not to mention that he is very close friends with the president of the Federation, and therefore he has all the backing of the Federation that he needs. He renewed his contract for another two years, I believe, before the Euros. So basically, he came into this Euros, secured a contract until the next World Cup, and had nothing to worry about. Um, So these players are now... And looking, you know, the history of women's football with the federation, with the national team, has never been good. Um, There has been a, a manager before this that has been abusive as well. So it's the history of managers and this federation and the Spanish national team isn't really that nice to to look back on. And this is just the new low that the federation is unable to put aside things and support women's football. And essentially has said that no matter, as long as the president is still there, Jorge Villa is going to be there. Um, and so if, what does that mean for know, these, the, these players then? You know, effectively, as we go into a World Cup next year... Are they yep. pretty much saying, that's it, We're, our international career is over while he's here for another two years, so we won't go to a World Cup? Well, you know, yeah, there was a press conference the other day and, you know, the question did arise because it's a quite obvious question. You know, there's 15 players plus Irene Paredes, who is the captain of the national mm. team, who isn't going as well. And then you add in Alexia Popeyas to that when she's back from injury because she participated in the world as an email. So essentially it's 17 players that were secured in your 23-player squad. That's that's leaving five players essentially from your Euro squad that would essentially be your best squad possible, and it's it's really really big because at the press conference the other day the attitude first of all the federation and the manager they're making themselves very much the victim of everything they're making themselves a victim of what the players are doing to them if that makes sense yeah and the way they're going forward with it is that. This is the new national team. The players that are here right now are the focus, wow. not the other players. So essentially, their attitude is, 
you if you don't want to come up to the national team, that's your problem. We're going to progress with our plan towards the World Cup with however that will be. So their solution is a new team. And well, we'll see how that, that plays that's, out. That's not ideal. Exactly. <laughs> no. So, I mean, we, we, it's, it's, it's not going to end anytime soon. But as of now, that's, that's what they're doing, um, essentially. Wow, so incredible! It's, it's great, isn't it? Yeah, well, I mean, n- not if you're Spanish, it's not. I would, I would say, <laughs> yeah. going into the world. I mean, yeah. potentially, if you're English, it might be. But you know, <laughs> we here at Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport Two are for women's football across the board and and not ridiculous decision making like that. Um, Alex, always a pleasure chatting to you. I'm sure we'll we'll uh, we'll catch up over the next few weeks on uh, Champions League stuff. Definitely, always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Brilliant stuff. Women's football journalist Alex Ibaseta there. It's fascinating, Leanne, isn't it? And, uh, you know, we see player power very much in in the men's game. It certainly doesn't feel as if that's the case in in the women's game. And how can you have a, a federation that just doesn't listen to the players when there's clearly something wrong is just beyond me. But um, we could we could continue that conversation for a long time, and I'm sure we will over the, over the coming weeks. Um, right, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers, former England forward Leanne Sanderson is with us as well Uh, coming up we're going to preview the European champions against the world champions England versus the USA and we'll hear from Serena Wiegmann and England and Manchester United's Ella Toon Women's Football Weekly that is absolute top quality on TalkSport 2 This is Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the only show on national radio dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers and former England international Leanne Sanderson is alongside me. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so download it today. Uh, Right, breaking news today. Manchester United's Alessia Russo, one of the stars of the Euros, has had to pull out of the squad with a minor injury. Really disappointed not to be able to see her in action particularly against the USA on Friday, but also against the Czech Republic next Tuesday as well. Huge, huge game. European champions versus the world champions. Leanne Sanderson, how excited are you about it? Yeah, I'm super excited. I think the thing is, Faye, I think it's going to give a real example and show exactly where we're at. I think, you know, we've done amazing in the Euros. A lot of people have come up to me on the street and said, does this mean we're going to win the World Cup? And I'm like, you know what? You've got to add in Brazil in there. You've got to add the US Women's National Team in there. And you've got to add in, you know, the fact that Sweden, Spain will be coming back for revenge. So, obviously, I think we're in a good place. And I think it will show exactly where we're at. I think the US Women's National Team, you know, they're the best in the world for a reason. I had the luxury of living there for 12 years and playing with a lot of these players on my team. And their mentality is always what what sets them apart from everybody else. So I think it'll be so exciting. I think the fact that the game sold out, I think within 10 minutes um, is absolutely fantastic. And it's so great to see the knock-on effect with the attendances in the WSL this season, the opening games and that type of stuff. I think it's fantastic. So I'm really looking forward to it. And I think, you know, it'll show exactly where we're at at this moment in time. And Serena Vigman's obviously made a lot of changes within the team. Ellen White's retired, Jill Scott's retired. So there's players coming back into the fold, you know, like Katie Zellum, those types of players. Jordan Nobbs missed out this time. So you've got Jess Park, Ebony Salmon. So a lot of young, new players coming into the fold, as well as the quality players we already have there. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be fascinating to to watch. But where exactly, when we're kind of measuring, we're not measuring the USA World Cup winning squad from 2019 versus the Lionesses 
Euros winning squad directly because there's a three year gap in between and there's an evolution and there's a new coach in Zlatko um, and oh, I always get this wrong Andonovsky. It's not even difficult, but for some reason I can't say it all in one word. Apologies, Zlatko Andonovsky, uh, in terms of taking over from Jill Ellis. Um, where exactly are USA in their development at the moment and, and, and on, on their course? I think there was a massive transitional period, obviously Vlatko coming in there after a successful manager in Jill Ellis. And I think, you know, there's a lot of players like Trinity Rodman that have done amazingly well in the in the NWSL in America. Alex Morgan's not on this trip from what I can gather. Megan Rapino will be there, you know, Lindsay Horan. There's a lot of changes within the squad. Christy Mewis, Sam Mewis is in there as well. So a lot of youthful talent. But I think having lived in America for so long, and seeing the amount of, you know, everybody in America, the young girls that play soccer in America, all they want to do is play for the national team. They don't care about what club they play for. That is the focus. And it's always because I believe that it's because everybody can see these national team players at Times Square, Megan Rapino, Alex Morgan, they're all on Times Square, you know, billboards there. And the girls can see that. The young girls can aspire to be that. And I think... What's been fantastic since the Euros is that people can aspire to be Beth Mead now and those types of players, you know, Lucy Bronze. And this is a player in Lucy Bronze that was up for Sports Personality of the Year a few years ago. But again, the games wasn't on the television. Whereas now, you know, the games are all on TV. People can see it. People can come along. People can bring their kids. It's a safe environment. And I think following off, piggybacking off the Euros, I think people can see that. So these New US Women's National Team players are rock stars. They're going to want to cause an upset you know, as they have done in the 2012 Olympics when they beat Canada at Old Trafford in England. They've got good memories of playing in England. So hopefully, you know, they won't come here and cause an upset. But they do. They will aspire. You know, they'll rise to the occasion. Playing in front of 70,000, 80,000 people will not phase these American players. So hopefully, you know, I think England now can step up. We've got good memories at Wembley winning there. And I think we can hopefully breathe confidence from that. But Alessia Russo, you know, being out injured, I think is a massive, you know, loss because I think she would definitely have started. But what I found quite interesting, Faye, is that I don't think Serena Wiegmann's actually brought anybody in. She and hasn't. I feel like She's kept it at 23. Right. And, and Bethany England might be a little bit upset about that, for example. Yeah, and I think as well, you know, you look at the likes of Bethany England, I really like her. And when I do the commentary, I always talk a lot about her because I think she's a great player. She came on the other day. She shows good energy. You know, she wanted the penalty. Lauren James got chosen in the end at the weekend. But, you know, I think Bethany England, Chelsea will be lucky to keep hold of a player like her because I think she could definitely go to another WSL team and, you know, play more minutes. But again, Chelsea have that strength and depth. And obviously, Beth's not really playing at Chelsea. So how can she really, she didn't play a minute at the Euro. So yeah. I think she's quite unfortunate. But as we've seen, you know, a lot of the Lionesses have had a crazy story, Faye. You know, Mary Earps has played in Germany, you know, wasn't necessarily going to be the England number one. Ellie Roebuck got injured. Mary comes in and, you know, becomes a superstar. So a lot of the players within that Lionesses squad have had a different story. It's not just been plain sailing. So hopefully Beth England's opportunity will come. But maybe Serena Vigman doesn't want to rock the boat and bring players in and she doesn't think a part of her plans. And, you know, the manager knows which players are going to play. And we've said that during the Euros, during the commentary, it's a matter of which players will fit the squad and help the squad, you know, be together as a unit. Because you can't have, you know, 23 players that all want to play. It doesn't work like that. Managers don't pick players like that. You have to have about 14, 15 players, some coming off the bench and other players that are OK to a certain degree with not playing. Now, I was never one of those players that was OK with that. So I found that quite a difficult job to do. But play some players need to do it. And maybe, you know, 
some players just have too much within them and want and demand more. And maybe Serena Vigman, you know, she's picked a fresh team. Lucy Parker coming in as well for West Ham. I was a bit surprised that Ash Neville and my Letizier didn't get selected, but hopefully their opportunity will come because I think Ash Neville was one of the best fullbacks in the WSL last year. And I've been quite vocal in saying that. Yeah, it's really interesting, isn't it? <clears throat> because she has brought in some youngsters, which is always interesting to see in terms of Esme Morgan, Lucy Parker, uh, Jessica Park as well, who's had a fantastic uh, time at, at Everton on loan at the moment from, from West Ham. So, you know, I can see what Serena Wiegmann is trying to do. Why don't we hear from the woman herself, actually, on on how she's gone about picking this squad, particularly looking ahead to this USA game? Because, obviously, she has a lot more extra pressure and expectation on her and the team's shoulders. Not that Serena takes it on her shoulders and, and, and is, is bowed by it in any way, shape or form. She's not that type of, of person. But two big games coming up against the USA and the Czech Republic who, you know, have, have done well against some top opposition of, of late. But um, I spoke to her last week just after she'd uh, made the announcement of the, of the squad just to see how she was feeling about everything. We see it as a new measurement because we played the USA. That's the number one of the world. Um... And it's such a big, a big game that, yes, we have their experiences from the Euros. Then now we play USA, then we really know where we are. So it's a starting point to go forward to the World Cup, which we have 10 months. So it's really nice to see where we're at. And we brought in some young players, some experienced players, of course, too. So it's really exciting to see. And then it's nice to go to Brighton, back to Brighton again, um, after a full-packed Wembley. Uh, and, and there, uh, yeah, get connected with the fans again and play Czech, which is a, a good opponent too, very, very tight. They had good results against the Netherlands and the USA. They tied uh, against those uh, countries. So that's going to be a tough one too. Um, yeah, I hope we can see uh, many players on the pitch and see where we're at to yeah. move on. Two very different tests. And I think everybody is intrigued to see where this Lioness's side are at how do you go about I mean obviously the result will help but the performance is equally as important what are you hoping to see from your players the European champions against the world champions yeah yeah it's exactly what you say of course we always play to win and we want to win that game but it's also good to see where we're at how can we can we manage the game can we control the game um, so in all the moments of the game, in, in, in possession, out of possession, in the transition moments, can we do really well? So uh, how the game develops is very important for us too. Uh, and also we want to add something to our, to our game. So we developed, and this team was already really good, we added something to the style of play. That's what we want to do now too, again, starting to do that. Uh, so we, we're not predictable we don't become predictable but that takes hard work and we need to bring our game to the next level uh, to 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 sustain successful um so, so yeah that's what we're going to start working on next week and with a very good test against the usa in the first game and also not a good test against jack interesting from the england head coach serena Viegman. let's hear from one of england's heroes from this summer leanne shall we because ella toon caught up with Talksport breakfast last week she's super excited about taking on the usa and believes that they're one of the world's best sides they're an unbelievable side and they have been for for a long time and yeah i think more than anything the girls are just really excited um to test ourselves against the best obviously we've sold out wembley which is amazing and it'll be really nice for us to be back after such an amazing time we had out there last time. Um, so, yeah, we're all really looking forward to it and we know how good the USA are, but now we have a target on our back after winning the Euros and 
we want to go out there every game and, and win. Yeah, that target on the backs, that's quite fascinating, isn't it? Because that's a, that's a really different pressure for this young Lionesses side to have to deal with because we've talked about the more experienced players stepping back, uh, retiring from the game, and those heads are quite important in a major tournament setting. And I know that a lot of the youngsters have now experienced that pressure with a home Euros in, in particular, but... A World Cup away from home is very different. You don't have that same kind of bubble, if you like, Leanne, do you? It's a very different experience. How are, how are they going to be able to manage that? Absolutely. I think it's one of those things where I think Serena Viegman, as we've seen during the Euros, the girls are back at the hotel in Richmond as well this week because I think sometimes when you're at a tournament, St George's Park is the best facility in the country, one of the best in the world, but it can become quite isolating and I think the Serena Vigman's, you know, bridge that gap between knowing what the players want, giving them that little bit of freedom, you know, during the Euros, letting them go out for walks, stuff like that. Because when I played there, it was certainly quite, you know, to go to all these amazing countries, but never get to see them. And I think that downtime is important. And I think that Serena Vigman has certainly, you know, made that. And that doesn't become a difference when you're in a tournament because you do need leaders, but you also need your own time. I always found it quite difficult because whenever I'd get a day off, I'd want to go and be on my own. And people used to say to me, are you all right? I'm like, I'm absolutely fine. But we've been together, you know, for five, six weeks. I love you all, but I do like my own time as well. So I think that's important. And I just think the way Serena Vigman manages this team, I really like her. And I've said it many times before, Faye, to yourselves and the guys during the Euros. I wish she was the manager when I was there. Mm. And when see her around, she seems to enjoy. Nothing really seems to phase her. I mean, they overcome quite a lot of hurdles in the Euros. It was only early on in the tournament when Serena actually got COVID and wasn't around. So, you know, during that game and that to overcome that. And I think during the Euros, I think we showed our resilience and the girls shown that they played themselves into becoming favourites during that tournament, didn't they? They, did. they didn't go into it. You know, everyone expecting them to win. And I think those people that got on board now with women's football, they thought, oh my God, we were the favourites. Well, we wasn't. People were talking about Spain, Sweden, even, even myself. I Germany. Spain was... mm. Exactly. My head and my heart was telling me two different things. But these players now have played themselves into the, you know, the more pressure will come now because winning it is almost the easiest part. It's staying there. And I think the US Women's National Team have showed that throughout the years. There will be bumps in the road, but we have to overcome them. And I think this Lionesses team has showed the resilience. And once you get that taste of success and winning, I think it, it can be a really good confidence builder. So, you know, Ella too mentioned it there about the US Women's National Team being one of the best teams in the world. But there's no reason why we can't grow on to go on to become that now. You know, winning the Euros playing in these games, you know, testing ourselves. Because the Americans always test themselves. They're playing Germany, you know, so they're playing Spain. They're playing top teams. They don't just play against the weaker teams. And I think this England team can play against anyone on any given day. And with the support that we that they had during the Euros and what they're going to have on Friday at Wembley, I think it's going to be really, really good occasion. But again, it's a friendly, but it doesn't feel like a friendly thing. No, it really doesn't. Um, before we wrap up this section, I want to hear from, from Ellen White because I mentioned the experienced players uh, retiring and actually Ellen White herself was um, uh, pressing the buzzer to let off the, the runners at the London Marathon on, on Sunday along with Leah Williamson and Jill Scott as well, which I thought was, was brilliant to see the three of them up there. And she spoke to Talk Sports' Ian Abrahams earlier on today talking about why she decided to call time on her career. Yeah, I'd kind of thought about it for a little while um, yeah and I, I did know that that would be kind of my last kind of game for England and, and got a last football game and what a way to, to kind of end it really um, so yeah I feel I feel very privileged to have gone out in the way that I did really. How did you keep your emotions in check then? 
Well, I didn't tell a lot of people because I didn't really want all the emotional, the sad eyes on me. But um, do you know what? You could probably see every game and every moment. I, I really soaked it in. Like after every match at the Euros, I was kind of jumping up around jumping up and down celebrating with the fans you know really soaking in those moments of being on the pitch being in a, another tournament with with England so um, yeah obviously I think for me you kind of my head was in the game and wanting to do so well for the team and, and for England so um, yeah I think the emotions came out at the end when when we'd finally won it not many players are there Leanne get to actually choose when they step out and what time to do it on a high like that and I think you know Ellen White deserved to be able to to you know, walk away when she was ready. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I grew up with Ellen at Arsenal when we were youngsters and Ellen will tell you herself, she's a prime example of someone that's worked at her game. She worked hard and I think she even got better as she got older. And I think, I remember during the Euros Fair, I was saying to the guys, Adrian and Sam on air, that Ellen's quite introvert. So it made me so happy to see her going around, you know, with a cowboy hat after the games and dancing because, you know, all the players and my former teammates tell you yourselves, Ellen's quite quiet. She's a lovely girl, but she's very quiet. So when I saw her dancing around, now this makes sense now because based upon you know the interview she gave with Ian Abrams earlier, that shows you that she knew she wanted to take it all in and it makes total sense. And there's no better feeling than you know being able to step away from the team on your own terms. Yeah. Especially after winning. Especially after winning. Yeah, go out on a high for sure. Um, by the way, talking about ending. 2022 on a high. Uh, England will end with matches against Norway and Japan in Spain in November, uh, which is going to be really interesting before, of course, they enter uh, 2023 World Cup year, building up, getting different opponents to see how they can uh, be as successful in Australia and New Zealand in the summer of 2023 as they have been in the Euros here. Right, look, you're listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. Leanne Sanderson is alongside me as well. Up next, we're going to round up the weekend's League Cup action. Millions of people have lost weight with personalised plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hi. 
on DAB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. It's a wonder goal. The home for women's football. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Rothers. Alongside me is Leanne Sanderson. Don't forget, if you do miss any of our shows or you want to listen again, our podcast is available on the TalkSport app, so you can just go ahead and download it today. Now then, it was the first round of the League Cup group stages this weekend. On Saturday, Aston Villa won, Manchester United won, and then Villa went on to win the shootout 4-3 to get that extra bonus point. It was a much changed. United side Nikita Paris making her first start and scored what a way to do it Rachel Daly who else equalised ahead of combining with Kenza Darley's free kick uh, Ona Batcher then missed United's penalty Pacheco then scoring the winning one uh, for Villa uh, let's have a listen shall we to some audio from Rachel Daly who's of course had an incredible start to her Aston Villa career uh, she was very proud of the side's fight to secure the victory yeah, it was a good win yesterday. Obviously, didn't get the three points, but got two. I was proud of the fight from the girls to come back 1-0 down against the top team and then go on and secure the win with penalties and obviously Leete just having the game of her life. So, super happy with getting two points and, yeah, really proud of Anna Leete. Yeah, really good um, performance from, from the goalkeeper there, Leanne, and, and a good performance all round from Aston Villa this season so far. Absolutely. I mean, obviously, we talk about leaders within the England team, but Rachel Daly, what a great addition she's been to Aston Villa. And I think, obviously, I was a bit surprised she went to Aston Villa because I'm sure there were teams like Manchester City that would have wanted her. I played against her a number of times in the NWSL in America. She's one of the best goal scorers there's been in that league. So the fact that she went to Aston Villa and Carla Ward was asked in her interview, you know, will she play at the back? And Carla Ward was like, absolutely not. We brought Rachel Daly to score the goals. And she absolutely has done, as we saw against Man City, the first game of the season at Villa Park. She's been brilliant. She really has. And be interesting to see because Serena Vigman never really uses her up front. And, like, and in the Euros, as we saw, she was right-sided player playing in the left-back position, but she's very versatile, which she's been a great addition to Aston Villa this season. And they've done really, really well. I mean, beating you know Manchester United in the Conti Cup, who are on a really good run, is a fantastic result. I mean, it's a good point. Maybe Serena Wiegmann hasn't called up another striker because she's thinking Rachel Daly could potentially do a job against the, the the USA. She knows the American players well, having played in the NWSL for such a long time in, in her career. That could be an interesting one on the team sheet. Yeah, absolutely. Maybe Serena's listening, so maybe that's what her thought process <laughs> I don't is, think but... she's going to take tactics from me, Leanne, I'm not going to lie. I think she will, I think <laughs> she will. But, you know, I think all jokes aside, though, I think Rachel Daly's shown she can do a job there. And I don't think it was necessarily that she had to go to Aston Villa to show that. It would be interesting to see from her perspective what she would want, because obviously playing for England in a fullback position and then playing for your, for your club up front, it's very difficult to do that you know, to just keep adapting. I mean, it shows you the qualities of Rachel Daly, but she's been a fantastic signing for Aston Villa and I'm really happy for them. They managed to get a player in yeah. like her. Because Anita Asante retired. She was a leader within their squad, but Rachel Daly's come in and not only a goal scoring, but you can see the way she kind of orchestrate verbally around the pitch. It's great. 
Yeah, well, you said it right at the top. She's a leader, isn't she? She's made such a big difference. Um, on Sunday, Championship side Birmingham upset Brighton. A 3-2 win for them. Uh, West Ham rescued a point against London City Lionesses. Dagny Brinis-Dartier scoring a late equaliser, making it 2-2. Then they got that bonus point, winning the penalty shootout 10-9 as well. Tottenham uh, on form still, beating Reading 2-1. Ash Neville, uh, Leanne Sanderson is a big fan. And Nicola uh, Karshavaska. I can't even say that right. That's not right, is it? Karchevaska, I think it is, uh, with the goals uh, at the Medeski Stadium. Big injury, though, for Kaya Simon, which is uh, a big disappointment and a worry for Rianne Skinner. Uh, Leicester beat Blackburn 3-0. Liverpool beat Sunderland 1-0. Three-all thriller between Durham and Sheffield United as well, two championship sides, but it was the northeast side picking up the bonus point, winning the penalty shootout. Uh, Lewis beat Charlton 2-0. Bristol City 4-0 winners over Crystal Palace. And Coventry United uh, beating Southampton 2 I do just want to ask you, Liam, because I say this every season, does this competition need to be simplified? Because this, to me, is the kind of week that we lose a little bit of momentum. And this is no disrespect to the League Cup at all. But it feels as if the kind of new WSL fan might switch off because it's such a complicated... I mean, it's not when you look at it on paper, but it is if you don't know how it works with a group stage, then the knockout. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's in its infancy. I mean, we saw in the men's game for years, people didn't take the League Cup seriously. It's kind of like the Nations League when it first started within the men. Nobody really knew what that stood for, did they? So Mm. I think at the end of the day, though, it can show you. I mean, Leicester beat Blackburn. Leicester are yet to win in the WSL. So for some teams, it can give them a little bit of confidence because they've won a game. They've not been able to win in WSL. But I understand what you're saying, Faye, because, you know, I'm sure no one would be aware that if you win on penalties, you get an extra point. Because I'm not quite sure I was even aware of that. When I heard Rachel Daly's interview... I think I'd said, forgotten about it. Unless it's a new thing this this season, which it may well be. I don't remember talking about yeah. it before. No, I don't either. And I think it does need to be simplified, not just because of a new you know, women's football fan, just in general. And I think, like I said, though, these competitions, these games can sometimes give a chance, as we saw Leicester... They brought in a lot of changes. Some younger players played like Ava Baker. You know, she did really well. So maybe, you know, it can give the manager an opportunity to see players, breed them into the team. And hopefully, you know, that can help them in the league because there's some teams, you know, like Reading, Leicester, those types of teams that need to get some points on the board in a WSL. But, you know, for me, at the end of the day, if I was still playing, I'd want to play in every game, Faye. No, I, I know just, you would. Three games a week, four games a week. But... Yes, I think it needs to be simplified, definitely. I'm sure if you ask the managers and the players, I mean, you don't see this type of thing in the men's game. You get an extra point for winning on penalties. So I'm not quite sure why we do that at the in the Cotty Cup. But it's another game at the end of the day. And if you love football, you'll welcome it. Yeah, we've got a couple more things to wrap up, which we'll do after this. You're listening to Women's Football Weekly on TalkSport 2. I'm Faye Carruthers. Leanne Sanderson is with me as well. We'll also discuss concussion substitutions and, and round up some other news from the world of women's football. This is TalkSport 2. Listening to Women's Football Weekly on Talk Sport 2, the UK's only national radio show dedicated to women's football. I'm Faker Others. Uh, former England international Leanne Sanderson is with me as well. We are available on podcast. Do not forget, plenty of places you can download us. But first, head to the Talk Sport app to find us. You can obviously subscribe elsewhere as well. Just rounding up a few other results and a bit of uh, housekeeping for you in Scotland Celtic, Glasgow City, Rangers, and Hibs are into the quarterfinals of the SWPL Cup. Spartans, Kilmarnock, Motherwell and Glasgow women also through. The last eight draw for that is on Tuesday. So if you're listening 
on the pod or on repeat, you're going to know who's playing already. So well done you. <laughs> you know more than me and Leanne Sanderson, which I'm sure you do anyway. Uh, some WSL housekeeping. Chelsea 3, West Ham 1. Leanne was at this one. Uh, Emma Hayes side coming from behind to win. Goals from Frank Kirby, Sam Kerr and Millie Bright after West Ham captain Dagny Brynas Dottir had put Paul Koncheski's side ahead after just three minutes. Was it a thriller, Leanne? Do you know what? I thought West Ham played really well in the first 40 minutes, but I think, and you can see what Paul Koncheski has done there in a short space of time, but, you know, when you look at the depth that Chelsea had and the substitutions, you know, Perise made her start, her first start for the team, then Lauren James on the bench, they brought her on. You know, when you have that luxury to do that, it's really going to be difficult for a team like West Ham because, you know, Asai was up front on her own. And, you know, she was feeling off scraps, really. So I think you can see what Paul Konjewski's doing. Although they lost the game, I think they get a, did a good run of it for the first 40 minutes. But Chelsea just took it to another level. And I don't even think Chelsea have reached their maximum yet. And I'm sure Emmaus is OK with that. They beat Manchester City, you know, lost the first game of the season at Liverpool. But I think West Ham, you can see exactly what they're doing. They just need a few additional players, I think. Mm. They can get a couple through the door, up front especially. I think they can have a real good run of it because they've got a good core in that team. And actually, you know, Chelsea... Chelsea have that mental advantage now of uh, of having played three games to, to most other sides too, which I think particularly at the top of the table, people chasing, it's a better place to be, isn't it, when you've already got those those points in the bag. Uh, very quickly, we need to round up Everton 1, uh, Leicester 0. I mean, the harshest of harsh ways for Leicester to lose this one. 94th minute own goal from their goalkeeper, Kirsty Lavelle. Really difficult and it's been a difficult start to the season for Leicester. Yeah, definitely. But I think these things seem to happen when you're down the bottom. You know, your luck just doesn't seem to be on your side. But as I said, they beat, you know, Blackburn in the Conti Cup, in the League Cup. Hopefully they can gain some confidence from that. I know it's not the WSL, but they've got their first win. So that hopefully can bring confidence. And maybe, you know, the manager will ring in the changes in the WSL because something's got to give. You know, Leicester, they haven't got the biggest of budget. But as we've seen, you know, Aston Villa don't either. And they still seem, somehow seem to beat Manchester City first day of the season. So, you know, hopefully they can breed some confidence from winning in the Conti Cup. But, you know, when your backs are against the wall, fade down at the bottom, these things happen. And I do feel sorry for them to a certain degree. Yeah, I agree with you. Listen, there are loads of other things that I want to talk to you about, Leanne. So we're going to have to park them and, and maybe discuss next week when we've got a little bit of time because concussion subs is something that I'd planned on speaking about tonight, but we have run out of time. Them not being allowed in UEFA competitions is something that I think needs discussing and needs looking into more. And this, of course, is after Beth Mead came off in Arsenal's game against Ajax. She, she's fine, by the way, Arsenal have said, which is which is great news, but I think it, it opens up... A, another debate but we don't have time at this moment in time to speak about it but we definitely will here on Women's Football Weekly Leanne always a pleasure to talk to you Thanks, pleasure as always see you soon chat to you on WhatsApp in probably about five minutes if not if, if not shorter uh, thank you so much to Leanne Sanderson Alex Ibasetta Serena Viegman, producer Will Bradley Hayden and of course all of you as ever for listening don't forget if you do miss any of the show live you can download the Women's Football Weekly podcast via the TalkSport app or listen back throughout the week next here on TalkSport 2 it's following on the County Cricketer Season Review Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.